Honestly, I feel ashamed of all the times someone mistreated me, and instead of getting away from them, I danced around trying to make them like me. It's embarrassing, and it also makes no sense. It's called fawning, and in fact, it's one of the four trauma responses that include fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. And fawning is when you make yourself small and you act tough or you try to influence the person. You act so nice because they're mistreating you. And through your sheer goodness or through being helpful, you, you know, the selfless helper, you try to almost heal the person who's behaving badly by just taking it from them, not showing them that it hurts you. Have you done that? It's a common pattern for a traumatized person. But the thing is, it usually progresses to a strong mental vagueness where you can't tell at all if it's you who's causing terrible interactions. So, you know, you, the, you, you maybe had trauma in your childhood, you learned to fawn, keep your parent happy, you grow up and then now you're vague. You're like, I keep getting into these things where I feel like I'm sort of getting abused, but I can't tell if it's my fault. Is it just me? Am I too picky? Am I the difficult person or am I a doormat? Because either way, you don't feel good about yourself. And for that matter, the fawning energy doesn't make people like you. You know, it's a people pleasing, but they're not pleased. My letter today is from a woman I'll call Vanessa. And she writes, Dear Anna, I've seen some of your YouTube videos about being attracted to the wrong people or trying to make crappy romantic relationships work. I've written off romance years ago for various reasons, but I still have problems with just casual everyday relationships. All right, got the fairy pencil. I'm going to circle some things I want to come back to on a second reading, but let's read through what Vanessa's, what the story she's telling us here about what's going on. I'm not even talking friendship, although I do have a hard time making friends. I'm talking about acquaintances I see on a regular basis. Even when someone is rude to me, instead of ignoring them or dropping them, I keep trying to make them like me or telling myself their behavior isn't that bad and returning to them. This has been a lifelong pattern with me. Ah, this is so interesting to me. I, I hear you. All right. Off the top of my head, Vanessa says, the most prevalent example I can give you is my hairdresser. Thanks to fights I've had with my mother over my hair and still have, even though I'm 50 years old, doing anything with it is always a problem for me. What I'll do is... I'll find a competent hairdresser who's incredibly rude to me. And instead of leaving that person and finding someone better, I'll keep going and trying to make the hairdresser like me. I had to fight with the last hairdresser just to get him to do what I wanted him to do. After my last appointment, I walked out of the salon after over-tipping him, uh-huh, which is customary. I so hear you. And mulling it over at home, I decided I'm not going back to this jerk. He talks over me, he interrupts me, contradicts me, and is very brusque overall. Here I've been trying so hard to get him to like and acknowledge me when I walk into the salon. I also go there for threading and waxing, she says, okay? And he's not all that friendly back. Now when I think back, I feel like an idiot for doing it. Then Vanessa says, I had a similar experience with a very rude and bigoted hairdresser many years ago. And I kept going back to her, even though our conversations were painful. And she was so incredibly rude and dismissive. And I went to her for two years. <laughs> At least I got smart with this guy after a few months. And when I am treated badly or rejected, instead of walking away, I always stick around and sort of beg people to like me. And I hate that about myself, she says. 
I'd also like to mention that I recently spent a month baby and dog sitting for my brother when my sister-in-law was ready to give birth to their second child and he was verbally abusive all the time I was there. There were times when I wondered if I deserved it. Friends I've confided to when I got back said they would have bought a plane ticket home after the first week, but I hung in there because I knew he needed me. I'm just mad at myself for taking it and not shutting him down. I could see he was under a lot of stress, but I shouldn't let myself be abused by someone who is stressed. But as angry as I am at him, I also feel sorry for him and frustrated with myself and my roller coaster emotions. How do I straighten myself out? <laughs> she says, Anna Runkle, you, LOL, has my permission to read this letter. You know, pe when people write to me, I ask for permission. All right, Vanessa, thank you. I'm laughing so much. I just love your letter. I thought about it for a while, and <laughs> I just didn't know what to say. So first of all, I just believe you 100%. Usually we talk about crap fitting. That's when you fit yourself to unacceptable people in situations. And most commonly, people with CPTSD would do it in romance, but we do it in friendships and we do it with professional services too, because there's some mentality there that if everything just feels terrible and weird, it must be us <laughs> or, we or we better take what we can get because that's all there's gonna be. But there is this kind of strange, almost metaphysical aspect of what you're talking about. Fawning is actually a very negative energy. It's a negative interaction and it doesn't feel good to be fond. People don't end up liking you because you're people pleasing them, you know. And so when somebody fawns, and you know, from time to time I've fawned, and from time to time people have fawned on me, and I really have very little tolerance for fawning. It is so uncomfortable for me because somebody's like dancing around, they're trying to make me happy, they're interrupting everything I say. They're literally not listening. They're just so like trying to anticipate what my need is going to be and what, what, I, what I'm going to say. It's so uncomfortable for me. And I end up frustrated and I end up shutting down and pulling away. So for the fawner, if you're sensing irritated energy, that's all I'm going to give you is that, is, is it partly you? There's one way that is possibly partly you that we bring to it. But most of all, it's that we're in a, we're in a fake idea that if we can just dance around and ignore, you know, be a martyr, be a really, really successful martyr, like a star level martyr where we can just take it. I can take it. <laughs> I, this is a little story. When I was young, I applied for a secretarial job and I put on my, on my letter, I'm thick skinned. And I, I think the previous job I had had was very abusive. And I was trying to say, I can put up with anything and I have no feelings about it. And I remember the person who interviewed with me said, that's not a good thing. Don't say that. <laughs> and I was like, what? I get it now. You don't want to be too thick skinned. Obviously, we don't want to be oversensitive. And this is what it's like to have complex PTSD is you're confused all the time. Like, am I being oversensitive? This is bothering me. But we end up with these really weird, uncomfortable, hurtful situations with people. And we don't know how we got there. And so the answer is going to be little steps. It's going to be little steps where your part in it is to start getting really honest from moment to moment about what you're feeling, what just happened, and connecting with other people who are on the healing journey, just like you, so that you can get a reality check. Like, tell them, what did the hairdresser say? Was it me? Should I, you know, was I too prickly? Like, it does take a lot of self-honesty to just admit, were you fawning? Were you, did you have a chip on your shoulder? Were you, you know, is there something that you're doing? 
But I tell you with CPTSD, we, we sometimes just find ourselves magically drawn to these recreations of the drama that we once had where we don't get to have boundaries. This thing where your mother criticized your hair <laughs> and you never got to feel good about it. So when we get triggered, even when it's like an old emotional flashback or an unconscious memory about something, I, I'll speak for myself. I have prickly energy. I come off as sort of like defensive and difficult. For the person who's in the position of cutting the hair or styling the hair of such a person, it can be fraught, it can be stressful. They can feel defensive. So you may be bringing out a negativity just because you're having an emotional flashback about it. So there are also terrible people out there. They're very unkind, they're bigoted, they're, you know, they're just rude. But I would just say if you're seeing two hairdressers who are both rude, there's, I, it does, it sort of smells like a situation where your old trigger is coming up and maybe playing a role in this, either shutting you down to be a martyr or making you have fawning energy that's uncomfortable. And fawning energy almost has to be met by irritable, impatient energy. Please, 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 come on, stop, 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 right? It's, we sort of can, we sort of invite that sort of snippy response to it. So perhaps I'm fishing, perhaps I'm overreaching. Forgive me if I'm way off base, but I will say that's true in my case. When I have fond and when people have fond on me, it does make me very irritated with them. I don't tend to stay friends with people who fawn. It's too uncomfortable for me. So I think you're, it's Vanessa, it's your healing. Your healing is just gonna get you there without whether you cognitively figure out why this is happening or not. And so much of our CPTSD healing is like that. We never get perfect answers. Why do I do this? Why is this hard for me? I, by the way, had haircut stuff too. I used to always um, like not just get dysregulated, but pretty much dissociate in the chair getting my hair done. I don't even know why exactly. I had, I remember when I was 13 once, somebody really messed up my hair. It was burned with a perm and then it had a, like a bowl cut in the front and it was a very crazy bowl cut mullet with a bad perm and it took over a year to grow. <laughs> it could have been that, but it feels deeper than that. Um, a fear, like a sense of distrust and a fear that I can't speak up and say what I want. So when I read your letter, I just resonated so strongly, I had to think about it for a while to go, yeah, what is that? So I hope this has been helpful. Whatever, you know, sometimes we never know the answer about why we are the way we are, but the solution is the same anyway. We learn to calm our triggers. We learn to express our true and real selves to be able to like set boundaries and say, hey, don't do that. This is what I want to be able to, you know, like the uncomfortable conversation about how much is it going to cost? And, um, it, you know, could maybe somebody else in the salon do this one because what happened last time with you didn't go so well. All that stuff is so uncomfortable. People who have had trauma think that that they can't have the conversation. And so these emotions get pent up and they get pent up and then they make everything, you know, even more intense um, than it otherwise would be. And then our, our behaviors might not make any sense. So healing, healing, becoming real. I'll say this about every kind of CPTSD problem. You need good tools to get real and name what the feelings are that are coming up. Just name them. You don't have to fix them. You don't have to like turn them into anything better. You just name them. I have fear. <laughs> That this, you know, that I'm going to get ripped off. I'm resentful at this hair cutter because I have fear they're bigoted and fear they're insulting me and fear they don't respect me and fear I'm an idiot to spend my money here. I'm just sort of like putting into the language of my daily practice some stuff you said. I encourage you, do the daily practice. It's a free 
It's a technique I teach free in a course. And if you sign up for my daily practice, you not only learn the writing and meditation techniques, but you get invited to free calls with me on Zoom every two weeks. And it just goes on and on and on. You never have to buy anything. You can just come to this. I do have things that you can buy, but I, I, it, it is my mission to share with everyone who would benefit from it this daily practice that just saved me from myself and has freed me to start to have a life and to be real and to flourish. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.